Hey, hey, you're, well, I guess I won't claim it's your favorite Guardians minor league podcast, but uh, it's one of your favorite. I don't know. It's, can it be really one of your favorites if there's only like five minor league Guardians podcasts or one, two? I don't know. There's a lot of good ones. Anyway, this is Guardians of the Future. We're back uh, after a semi-planned hiatus. Um, we were planning on taking a hiatus after the playoffs and other stuff popped up, so. Uh, now the season's over, we're back. I'm Justin Latta, and if you're watching us live, you can see Willie Hood is back with us on the other side of the screen. How's it going, Willie? Are you ready to to dive headfirst into the offseason? Justin, I am good. I'm double fisting it with coffee oh, wow. tonight, so we are ready to roll. Wow, you came prepared. I uh, I have nothing. I just finished an Arnold Palmer. I guess I'm ready. I'm ready to golf. I don't know. That's pretty good. All right, Willie's ready to go. Um, I think what we're mostly going to do here is just talk about the state of the Guardians roster and how that impacts they're going to do over the offseason. We you know, had a lot of these conversations last year. We thought that the Guardians were going to do something last offseason. It turns out they didn't do anything before the lockout, and the lockout uh, made things a lot more difficult. Although uh, other teams did do stuff after the lockout's over. Um, the Guardians really didn't. But as we saw it play out, that worked out pretty good because uh, – the alternative would have been like, I don't know, somebody in left field ahead of Stephen Kwan. And we know they tried to swing for Matt Olson. That failed, but that gave Josh Naylor some run, which was good. Um, yeah, remember remember last year was the Jesse Winker trade. Remember everyone thought we the Guardians were going to trade for Jesse Winker? Look how great that turned out for Cleveland, that that didn't happen. Who knows if we would have gotten Stephen Kwan. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. Says had it all figured out and thought that they were clueless. Turns out we're the idiots and they're the geniuses. Uh, I'll never claim to be. I think they're anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think their plan or what some may perceive as a lack of a plan worked out very well for the team to make the run that they did with the talent that they had on the field and getting um, whoever saw 17 rookies making it to the big league and making their debut, actually 19 making it there, but 17 making their debut. What an incredible season in terms of development Um, and not a lot of prospects graduating too. So that's another good thing that there's a lot of talent still to come, um, which kind of brings us to where we are in the off season now. Yeah, there's still a lot of prospects to debut. I mean, you just talk about our prospect list, which we'll have to obviously update um, coming up here in the coming months. But Valera, you know, didn't make his debut. Espino barely pitched. Gavin Williams had a great season, hasn't debuted. Bo Naylor, who finished the season fourth on our list, he debuted, which I don't know. I, can't, I don't know if Bo Naylor or Will Brennan was probably the biggest surprise this season. Like, I'm trying to think of which of those two prospects we're more unlikely to debut this year. And I, I don't know that I would have accurately predicted either, either of those guys making their debut this year, but with the, with the perceived lack of depth in the outfield, I probably would have guessed Brennan over Naylor. Um, I would have guessed that they would have made a trade for a catcher before we saw Naylor. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, and they almost did. I mean, they they almost they tried to trade for Sean Murphy, which I'm sure we'll touch on here at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean, Brian Rocchio hasn't debuted. Nolan Jones made his debut. Um, we still haven't seen, you know, Joey Cantillo. We still haven't seen a lot of the guys in the top 20 really didn't pitch for us, at least our top 20. I mean, um, obviously Bybee's there now. Gaddis made his debut. Angel Martinez. Jose Tana, Carlos Vargas got up for a minute. Um, but yeah, it's still, still a pretty impressive year. Yeah. I, I, those are the big two for sure. That didn't make the debut and you'll add Bybee to that too. Um, yeah, I guess, I don't know the off season trades they didn't make ended up being good for one year, but you know, we really thought that last season was imperative for them to get something done and they didn't uh, do anything and it worked out fine, but I don't know if you can expect that to be the case this year. I think, um, every year you get into this, especially now they've made the playoffs, right? Like it was, it was a fun ride this season to get in, but you know, it's, it's hard to get back. It's all, it's, it's always hard to get back and the, the schedule's changing. You're not going to play the Royals and the Tigers 19 times. Um, you know, you will play some of those games with like Oakland and I don't know who else I'm trying to think is really bad. The Nationals will play once. I mean, you will play some of those games with bad teams, but you're still going to play the teams more often than you normally would. Um, so that changes things. And I just don't know how – I think the biggest thing is I don't know how they can go with the 40-man being Gabriel Arias, Tyler Freeman, Andre Semenez, Angel Martinez, Owen Miller, Brian Rocchio, Ahmed Rosario, Jose Tana. Like, that's just a lot of guys that play the same position, even though I guess Owen Miller is more of a first baseman now at this point, even though he's not – I mean, the statistics, the, the data says Owen Miller was a good first baseman defensively. I don't know if the rest of us trust him that much, but um, the roster just still seems unbalanced, and we'll see what they do in the offseason, which is what we're really going to focus on. So um, where do you want to start, Willie? You want to st- want to start with um, how they're going to clear spots, or do you want to start with who they need to clear the spots for at this point? The Rule 5 draft, by the way, is not until yeah, December 7th. Uh, but they, for some reason, have to make this decision by uh, November 14th. So they have to have their one, two, they have to have their 40 man roster set three weeks ahead of the Rule 5 draft. That seems like a long time. And, and I don't sure want to go forward with this, uh, Justin, but uh, Austin Hedges is a free agent. So there's one opening for you. Um, Luke Maley being arb eligible for the third time. And of course you got the arb eligible guys. I think Maley is the only one of that group who seems like a non-tender candidate. Then you have your de- designated for assignment type of candidates. And I'll give you three of those real quick um, in order of, I think likelihood or possible trade would be Palacios, Miller, and then Benson um, in that order, in my opinion. Um, and I think you can work out a small deal on those guys. I know that you've already floated that out there and said uh, these guys could probably be traded for international money and be added into a larger deal. Um, there's just a few spots that need to be made. The thing is, is I think there was some expectation they were going to have another large class of players that needed to be added. And in truth, there would have been quite a bit that needed to be added, but they added throughout the season, which has kind of headed off the logjam that we would have seen this offseason. I didn't expect 11 guys like last offseason 
but I, at one point in time I looked and I saw potentially 10 guys that I, I thought might um, require rostering. And some of those guys have fallen to the wayside in the meantime. Um, but I think that's how you get, get some additional space with those uh, with those guys that I mentioned that you can possibly trade off. If you have hedges being a free agent, Maley being possibly non-tendered. Um, that'll be interesting too, because if they do that, that just leaves them down to Brian Labastida and, and Bo Naylor. So holding Maley for some period of time and trying to make a move um, before they make a decision on him could be something that they look into. Um, I, I think your piece that you put out yesterday, and I'd encourage everybody to check that out if they haven't seen it already, you really covered the offseason very well. Uh, just a few players that you and I, my, I won't say disagree on, but you you mentioned a few guys that I didn't think about, and I mentioned a few guys in my Twitter post yesterday that you probably didn't mention as well. Um, but there's, there's not a lot of guys that need to be added, but there is room to add a few. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, I mean, like you said, they, they, I don't know if I thought that Curry and Gaddis and Naylor were all going to be added during the season. So that worked out good for them. They got those out of the way when they needed to. Um, same Even with Will, Will Benson. Brennan. Right. Yeah. Will Brennan and Will Benson, because Will Benson, if they didn't add him, would have been a minor league free agent at the end of the yep. year. Now they can kind of decide what to do. And that's going to be a big talking point, too, is that, you know, he finally cut down on his strikeouts this season. Um, was pretty good, and and they didn't really play him at the end. I don't I don't know if he's a, he's a guy without kind of a, a spot here. Him and Richie Palacios both are kind of like guys that I don't know if they have spaces for because you can probably write in ink now that Stephen Kwan and Miles Straw are going to be your opening day left fielder and center fielder, and then in right field you've got some combination of like Oscar Gonzalez or Will Brennan or you know Nolan Jones, depending on how the offseason shakes out. You got George Valera, who'll be who will start in AAA, and we'll see what he can do and if he can push his way to the majors. So, for me, all the guys we just set, we just listed, I would probably play over Benson and Palacios, especially Palacios. But I guess there's still part of me that says, like, you know, it's hard to give up on Will Benson because we know what 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 can be there. And um, look, adjusting to the major league level is is the hardest adjustment to make, and, and it's hard to stay there and be successful and, and adjust back to what all the pitchers do. But um, if you look back at Will, Bre- Will Benson, I, I see, I knew this was going to happen at some point. It was going to be mixing up Brandon and Benson. But um, if you look at Will Benson's track record, he constantly gets to a new level, has a, has a year of struggle. And then he comes back the next season at the, at the same level and he figures it out. So I don't think that he's had enough major league at bats where you can say, okay, in 2023, he's going to come back and figure it out and be a good player. But it's one of those guys you're afraid to lose. But at the moment, I just don't see myself – I don't see where, where anybody puts him in line above Gonzalez, Jones, or Valera in right field. Do you? No, I agree with you. Um, like I said, I gave that order of – of my preference, how I think they would go off of the roster with Palacios being first. And I think Palacios has a major league future on a bench somewhere, potentially as a second baseman, maybe on a second division team, so to speak. Um, I think Miller still has that potential too. These guys are still young. None of them have gotten a a full season of at-bats. And 
Mel Miller's been on the roster for over a full season, but not a full season of at bats. Um, and then, as you said, with Benson, and that was my first thought about Will Benson and why he was last on my list is that he has had that, I guess you could call it a slow curve uh, as far as learning or adjusting to each level, but he has adjusted to each level with success the next season after going through initial struggles. He's shown the ability to continue to adjust. And with those type of tools, I would hold on to him as long as possible. Um, I mean, I think the ceiling at the major league level is probably limited tools like he does. Um, I think his role is probably limited in the future, but all three are major leaguers. Um, and Benson has the most upside of the three. So I think that would be the one that I would keep. And I think that they'll look to make some tough decisions this offseason. Hopefully they are, hopefully they make a move, maybe, as Zach Measle said. Well, right off the bat, I think, like you said, Lava, or not Lava Stita, um, Austin Hedges clears up one spot, right? So that's 39. Um, technically, Anthony Ghost has to be added back from the 60-day IL here coming up. Um, I think the odds are good that he winds up being a non-tender. Yeah, and they, maybe they re-sign him to a minor league deal and um, you know help him with his rehab. But he shouldn't be taking up a 40-man roster spot in the offseason uh, at this point, unfortunately. So, you know, non-tendering ghost doesn't open another spot, but it prevents you from having to make a room for him. So you're at 39, and I think we both agree that the two must-ads are Cantillo and Martinez, Martinez being a, an absolute slam dunk. And then, I don't know, Cantillo, I'm still I'm still having a hard time saying it's 100% for sure Cantillo is going to be added. I don't know for sure. I think we pretty much know what Martinez will, but... I don't know. I'm 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 about eighty to ninety percent sure Cantilla will be, but there's still part of me that wonders if they'll risk it. But because I, I mean, you risk what do you do? A left-hander with his sort of upside, you know, that middle middle of the rotation type of upside. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't either. It's just they didn't do it last offseason. I guess he didn't pitch last year, so it wasn't a big deal. Um, now you have. I mean, the easy move there is is DFA Kirk McCarty to make room for Cantillo, um, but that puts you right at forty. You add Martinez and, and Hedges spot. You add Cantillo, that puts you right at forty. Um, if you DFA McCarty for that, um, outside of that, there's not really a lot of like, like you said, very obvious moves. I think Luke Maley for sure is an option, but like you know, I, I wrote and you just pointed out. You, if you DFA, if you non-tender Luke Maley, your catching situation this winter is Lava Sita and Naylor on the forty. Mm-hmm. And what are what are you doing with that spot if you non-tender Luke Maley? Um, are you adding a reliever? Are you adding David Fry? Are you leaving that spot open because you want to have some flexibility? Because once once you set this forty-man roster on November fifteenth. You can't change it, or you can you can subtract guys, but you can't add guys um, that won't be protected from the. I mean, they can make a trade. They can go out and they can trade, you know, Jose Tana for whoever, but the other team can't protect him. They can go out and trade, you know, Logan Allen and get a major league piece, and both those teams are safe that way. But 
I don't know what are, what are you doing if you if you're if you're non-tendering Luke Maley. Now I think that's the order, right? I think the order is okay. Hedges clears the spot. Um, DFA Kirk McCarty, and then third in line there for that that spot. That's that's um, Luke Maley, right? That's the next most obvious move. That's before you touch. Luke, that's before you touch Owen Miller. That's before you talk about Palacios and Benson, right? Is it? Is it though? Because if you leave yourself in a spot where you have Bo Naylor and Brian Lavastida as the only two catchers that you have on your roster, and you're talking trade with me, I'm going to make you pay out the nose because I know you need a major league catcher. At least with Luke Maley, you can say, hey, we've got somebody that's going to pair with Bo Naylor, or we're going to let these three compete uh, if we don't make this deal. You, you know, you have a fallback plan. Or, or one semblance of one. That's why I said that you can hold Maley for a point later on down the road and potentially designate him as long as he's not on the roster uh, as far as opening day, even if you tender him an offer, uh, it doesn't count against you from my understanding, if I remember the rules right. So you could tender him a deal, pay him a million two or whatever it is, or offer him a contract of a million two. And as long as he hasn't played the first game, uh, of next season, you don't owe that to him. So I think there may be some wiggle room there is what I'm really saying. And, and if Cleveland wants to get a catcher, to me, it's good to strike early instead of wait. But I don't think that is Sean Murphy. I think Sean Murphy is going to have to play out. So how does it, how do they do that without exposing themselves, so to speak? And maybe I think the first move or the next move is, is Richie Palacios. Yeah, that's that's a good point about putting yourself in a situation to be hurting at catcher and other teams will read that market and they'll see. I mean, if they if they go ahead and they I don't I don't think there's any way both Luke Maley and Austin Hedges are back next year anyway. Um I guess you take a risk if you look right now the free agent market for catcher is pretty bad. Like it's Hedges who is not one of the top free agents but um, I think we can safely say Cleveland's not signing Wilson Contreras. That's not happening. Yeah. Um, they're not. They're definitely not signing Gary Sanchez because he's a terrible defender, and they we know <laughs> we don't. They don't go for that. Um, I would Vasquez not want Gary Sanchez. Yeah, Vasquez is interesting. Omar Narvaez has been interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, old friend Roberto Perez is out there, and the rest of it's kind of like junk. There's Mike Zanino who strikes out a ton. The defense is good, but he's been injury prone. Tucker Barnhart. I, you know, we both liked him last off season before the Tigers grabbed him. Um, after that, it's pretty bad. It's, it's old friend, Sandy Leone, old friend, Kevin Plowecki, Roberto Perez, Jason Castro, who's 36, Robinson Torinos is 39. So, you, you know, you're not, you're not signing a minor league deal right now with anybody and um, before this anyway, I, I don't think a small trade is happening this early. So it's either you you non-tender Luke Maley and you take the risk of, like you said, having another team have you over the barrel that, hey, you don't have a catcher. and But you know what? Who, who all does have a catcher? Let's be honest here. Like, there's a lot of teams out there that need catching help. Um, so we'll see what happens. A lot of people are obviously in on Sean Murphy. Otherwise, the price wouldn't be so high mm-hmm. if there weren't a lot of people interested in Sean Murphy. So – but yeah, that, that move is not happening by November 15th. It's just not, it's not going to happen. So you can hold off on that. Um, 
I would still go ahead and, and non-tender Luke Maley because I would rather do, well, I don't know. I, I'm okay with moving Palacios, actually. It doesn't matter what order that happens. And I mean, and, and again, nothing personal against Palacios, just like we talked about with Will Benson. Whatever, for whatever reason, Cleveland decided that Richie Palacios is a left fielder, and that's it. They just decided that he's not playing somewhere else. He's playing left field. He played like a couple innings in center in the minors. He didn't play any second base. Like they decided they're not going to use his versatility, which I understand because it's not like he's going to play over Andre Semenez either. Um, he's going to be 26 next season. So I don't see where he fits. Like, okay, you go into trip. Like, I guess if you need depth in the outfield, you don't want to lose him. But, you know, already next year, you're starting AAA with like um, Nolan Jones, George Valera. Um, Will Brennan, one of those guys won't be on the opening day roster. You probably, if you hang, we'll get to Mike Capriz later. If you hang on to him, he goes to Triple A. Although he's although he played a lot of first base. I don't know. They might see Palacios as a the guy they need for depth. And they might be. I don't know. Okay, so you probably don't move both Benson and Palacios. One of those guys has to stay. Yeah, and I think and it's Benson. Keeping, I agree. I agree. And they don't need to create both those spots, really. You don't need to do you don't need to do both those things. You do and or. So it's um it's McCarty, you know, Hydras is already off the roster, so that's your spot for Martinez. You DFA McCarty, that's your spot for Cantillo. And then you swing a trade for Richie Palacios for a uh international signing money or um I don't really know, if a player would name later, cash. Whatever. And by the way, if you're, if you're watching us record this live, you can um, either put some comments on Twitter below the uh, where the tweet went out before, or you can do it on YouTube. I know the comments show up on YouTube, but um, yeah, those those are the moves to me, I think, that make the most sense. I I, I have a hard time believing they're going to move Owen Miller at this point. I think what they would do is if, um, if they make a move to replace Owen Miller's spot, whether it's like a a Brandon Drury or whatever ends up out happening. Um, you either designate him then or you tra- make him part of a small trade. Uh, I think they that's the position where they hang on to him uh, until they have another answer if, it, if they're not really into Owen Miller next season. I think people should remember too. I know Owen Miller got a lot of flack this season. Owen Miller only played two and a half seasons in the or two and two and one quarter seasons in the minors. He was in the minors in 2018, 2019. And then he was in the minors for the first first month of 2021. That was it. That guy moved fast and he didn't have 2020 like anybody else. Um, and the track record of him hitting the minors was really good. So I, I, I would be, it'd be short sighted. He's got what two options left. Yeah, he's got two options left because he didn't get sent down the triple A at all this year. I, I would give him one more shot, whether that's going back to triple A and just seeing if you need him or if you hope next year, he's been better than he was. I, I, I would reserve from making that move. What about you? Well, I definitely wouldn't just designate him for assignment because I believe that there's some value there. Um, I was kind of running in my head. Does he or David Fry have more value to this organization at this point in time? And I don't think that's the move. That's a, a um, that's a move sideways or a parallel move to me. If you were to designate him and then add David Fry, you're not a, you've not upgraded the team. I think you make that sort of move 
when you feel that you've added a, a long-term piece or a piece that's going to be more helpful for your organization toward a playoff playoff run, like you said, with a, a Brandon Drury. Um, I, I've suggested a Garrett Cooper who has some positional flexibility too. Um, even if that's Jose Abreu or Christian Walker, I think then your answer is Owen Miller comes off of the roster. But, you know, we're talking bigger moves then. I, I just think that that's the thing is there's going to be a solution before um, Miller is removed from the equation. Right, exactly. You don't you don't make that move until you've clearly upgraded from him. Um, okay, so we agree there's three moves. There's you add you add Martinez, you add Cantillo, and then you either trade Palacios to make a spot or you non-tender Luke Mealy. I think one of those two mm-hmm. happens. So you you create a third spot. I think the question becomes is it going to be Fry? Is it going to be a reliever? Is it going to be an open spot to play with some flexibility? I mean, they don't they don't need to go in the Rule Five draft and take anybody. I guess it depends on who who ends up in the Rule Five, but they don't need to go in their roster. Is, we're talking about leading to clear spots anyway, so they don't need to make a selection in the Rule Five draft this year. You already got Trevor Steffen. Um, be happy that you <laughs> uncovered so well. that gem. <laughs> yeah, be happy that you uncovered that. Uh, hidden gem there and, and just move on. Uh, don't try your luck again. And and really this team shouldn't be, I mean, like I said, it, it depends on who's out there. Maybe they'll, maybe there'll be a surprise that someone doesn't protect and you're like, well, we got to take advantage of that. Maybe that's why you don't add a third person, but I don't know. I think there's enough guys in this roster that <clears throat> I know you said David Fry to Owen Miller doesn't upgrade the team. I don't, I don't know that I, a, I don't know that Cleveland likes David Fry's defense enough because the numbers weren't great this year for him. And uh, the numbers aren't good this year in, in the Arizona Fall League where they have the new rules where the pitcher can only pick him off twice. Uh, he's thrown one out of 12 out last I looked. That's pretty bad. So catcher defense is going to be so important next season. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't think that works unless you trust his defense a little bit. Maybe they maybe they will in an emergency. I just don't trust that they're going to make the best use of David Fry. Like, mm-hmm. it makes a ton of sense to have him because he can play first, he can play third, he's right-handed, he hits lefties well, he could be your emergency catcher. And um, if you have like, let's say they get Murphy, you can have Murphy, Naylor, and Fry, and that way that that allows you to like. DH Murphy or Naylor when one catches, so you you still have Fry as your safety blanket. But I I just don't trust them to do that because they'll say, well, Fry won't play enough, so there's no point. So I just don't trust them enough to make use of David Fry's utility to add him. I think they'll look at him and they'll say, well, he really won't play. What's the point? Even though that that's the only way it works to me. I, I don't know if you do it now. Like I don't know if he gets taken anyway. Like I mean. Catcher's pretty barren out there. Maybe somebody takes a chance on him, but we know the catcher defense isn't good. I just don't, you know, maybe if they acquire Naylor and Murphy and their plan is to DH one of them while their catches, maybe then they can say they'll have Fry. But for now, I don't trust them enough to look at his versatility and say, yeah, we'll make this work until they have another solution in place like Owen Miller. I think there's a small chance he gets selected in the rule five if he's available only for the fact that, that there could be a team looking for a right-handed platoon partner. Um, somebody who can hit those lefties, as you said, but that's somebody looking for a specific piece. And to me, that makes it less likely that he gets selected. 
yeah, it's it's got to be a very specific piece for sure. Um, and I, I don't know everyone's roster situation well enough to sit there and say if they will. That's the same with relievers. Like every year, relievers get taken like crazy. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't know everybody else's situation to say say for certain. I mean, will the Pirates end up selecting a guardian? Probably because. Every year for the last few years, they've wound up with one of the Guardians uh, really, uh, uh, roll five picks. So, all right, we don't, we're not certain on on David Fry being the third guy out. We think we'll have a third spot open. I think it doesn't make sense to have that third spot open going into the roll five draft. Um, just set it at forty and don't participate. Or I don't know. Um, do you want to go reliever and give your order, or do you want to go back and forth? Because I think I think if it's not Fry, we can say it's definitely going to be a reliever, and I guess it's going to be order of preference. So you want to start who who if they add a reliever, who is your first reliever on the board to add that you think is worth adding slash will most likely be taken if they don't add him? Tim Heron. Um, definitely has developed over the last couple of years. Fastballs ticked up, has that nice curve. Um. He was our reliever of the year at GBI. Um, he would be my first. You don't find power lefties like that very often. He's already 26. Doesn't need to be developed. I think he is what he's going to be, which is probably a middle relief type lefty. Maybe a guy that can log one or two innings for you. Um, but again, another power lefty. And some batters have problems with that. It would be a nice addition to our pen. And I think any team looking for a left-hander or that might be looking for a left-hander will give him an opportunity. I think Heron's likely to be selected if he's not protected. I would agree. I think anybody who, who sees him available in the rule five draft, if that happened, you know, you're looking at a left, you throws 95, 97 touch 99 has two, two secondaries that <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how good the secondaries are. I think the slider is, is fairly good. The cutter, Works good off of that, I suppose. Um, he misses bats. He didn't have a problem missing bats this year at either either, either level. I mean, um, he had a couple of bad outings in AAA that kind of inflated his ERA, and that makes his ERA look pretty bad. But um, overall, thing, things were pretty good. It's definitely close between him and, and Nick Mikolacek. I mean, yeah. I think the concern with Nick Mikolacek is that yeah, his stuff kind of backed up in 2022 and velocity was down again. Um, but I think you worry that someone will see him available and say, okay, we know he's been good in 2021. He's been good in 2019. And um, you take him in the rule five draft and you just get him back to that. No problem. In the rule five draft, you'll often see arms that are popping 95 and higher. Usually you're looking at younger guys. Um, if a team goes after some of Cleveland's relievers in the third guy, not mentioned is Nick Enright. Uh, all of these guys are 25, 24 years old and that 25 to, well, they're, they're all roughly in the 25 year old range uh, between Heron, Mikulacek and Nick Enright. Um, all of those guys are a little bit older. Uh, Mikulacek is not popping 95 or up to 97 like he was in 2021. Um, Enright popped a few 94s this year, but he's mostly when I've seen him, uh, this past season, 91 to 93. Um, that's about where Mikulachak was this year. 
that's why I think Heron is the most likely to go of, of those. Um, I'll throw out Andrew Missyazak as well. Um, another soft tossing lefty with pretty good control some days. Um, if I remember, it's a nice slider. I know he's a Northeastern product. Um, you know, the, the thing I say Heron is the most likely of the relievers to be selected because I remember, if I remember correctly, uh, it, that's a high spin slider too. I think it, Revolutions was up to 3,000 per minute. Um, teams that like that data would probably pop him a lefty pop in 95, 97, up to 99 at times. Um, but I think those are the four, the big four um, relievers. And of course, I'll throw out somebody who I've liked a long time and we probably won't see him selected at all or even talked about much as Ethan Hankins, who probably in the future will end up slotting as a reliever, but who knows? Um, and of course there's Lenny Therese who is uh, out in Arizona um, in the Arizona fall league. So there's a lot of arm depth there. That's the thing with Cleveland, the, the roster, even the guys that we discussed earlier, Palacios, Benson, Miller, there are a lot of major league talent there. It's just all of it isn't going to end up in Cleveland. So who, who are you protecting? And you're, you're in, uh, damage control, if you will, or damage mitigation, um, trying to protect the right guys. Some tough choices ahead for sure, Justin. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland, by the way, has 91 players that would be eligible for the Rule 5 draft. Um, obviously, not all are going to get <laughs> – that's all. Uh, they're going to get taken. Uh, definitely agree on Enright. I think Enright comes right after Mikulacek. Uh, although I think it's close with Andrew Misiazic, I will say he has gained a lot of steam. The, the The control was not as good in 2022 as it was before. Um, I still, still think there's issues there, but like you said, the slider is good. The The fastball has a very um, flat plane, so it's very sneaky. So he throws 91-93, but because of the angle, the fastball comes in at uh, out of his arm slot in his release. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, those are teams that love that kind of that kind of fastball. So I could see Missyazic being taken if they don't add him. Um, I would even go Kevin Kelly after that. Kevin Kelly is interesting because he has uh, that weird angle and he gets a lot of ground balls and um, doesn't throw all that hard. The control was previously better that last year than it was this year. Kyle Marmon is on that list too. I I, I because. Um, he's kind of like James Karinchek where he has the, the high fastball and the, and the over the hand curve and lack of control. <laughs> all he's missing, all he's missing is some weird twitches on the mound. So, uh, but Kyle Marman's also going to be 26 next year. So we'll see. Um, <clears throat> I think that's about it for relievers. I mean, yeah, you mentioned Ethan Hankins. I don't a one Cleveland's not protecting him. So if you're, if you're thinking that Cleveland's protecting Ethan Hankins, you're, you're I think you're, very wrong. I know they could surprise us. I mean, I think, uh, um, I think people were surprised by Danny Salazar and Carlos Vargas being protected. Although I don't, I don't think we were surprised by Vargas being protected. I think we, you and I both agreed that made sense given what kind of, I mean, I guess Vargas and Hankins are in similar boats, but they're not really, I don't know. Do you, do you think that Hankins and Vargas are in similar situations? Um, it's, it's almost, uh, so I threw that out to you is Ethan Hankins, another Danny Salazar or Carlos Vargas type of situation where they, a guy who doesn't have that long minor league track record, who's had some injuries, but has pretty big upside when they're healthy. 
I think the thing with Hankins is there's an additional year in there that's not accounted for, um, which is 2020 because of COVID and how that season played out. Nobody really has the data on that. And then these last two seasons, um, again, this last season because of COVID, because he had COVID and that kind of ended his season prematurely for him, or it, it delayed his season all one inning of it. I think it was, um, so who knows where he is at? I think that's a good gamble, and I don't think there's much of a chance that he gets selected just because he's so raw. Um, if he were, for whatever reason, um, protected by the team, I, I think it's just because they see that pure upside and they believe that they will be able to develop that, and they are afraid of losing that. I mean, we've seen them do that with other pitchers, but I think we've seen them do that with a couple of young hitters last year too, with Tana and young Kenzie Noel too. Um, I don't think they do that with Hankins. I think that they they take, take the risk, and I think it will pay off for Cleveland um, because I don't see him pitching at the major league level after not essentially pitching in any level for three years. Um, that would be yeah. odd, <laughs> miraculous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the comparisons are this. Okay, so Vargas pitched at age 19 in, in short season ball, which no longer exists, um, and then Cleveland added him that winter after 2019 because he had been around a few years at that point, or was it 2020? Did they add him in 2020 or 2019? I'm not even going to say I remember it all. It's all blurring together, Justin. Okay. Regardless is he didn't, um, he pitched in Mahoning Valley in 2019. If I remember correctly. Um, if I remember, I think I saw him five times that year in, in 2019. Yeah, I gotta go and, and look at his history because I'm not let me let me see this. Hang on. I can I can find it. Together. <laughs> it does. I know. I and blame the blame the pandemic. His his MILB page will have the transaction, so I'll see. Um I can't remember. I don't think they added him after um twenty nineteen because he wouldn't even in, needed to be added at that point. I really are not gonna show any more transactions, really. Of course not. Why would you want to work while I'm trying to look this up? That's cool. Error 404. Uh, yeah, there we go. Okay. Um, okay, so it was it was November of 2020 is when Cleveland added him. So he didn't pitch at all in 2020. Obviously, nobody did. So they still added him after a year of not pitching. Um, I guess the only difference is um, he had not had Tommy John at that point because he didn't have it until April 2021. Yeah. And he pitched the previous season. Now we're talking about Hankins not pitching since 2019. So he didn't pitch in 2020 or 2021. And he only pitched one inning this year. So you can't even count that. So like you said, it's mm -hmm. 2020, 2021, 2022. That's three seasons of no pitching for Hankins. I can't see a team that the, the situation is not the same as Vargas because he pitched the prior season. And he had not had Tommy John. This is three years off the mound basically for Hankins. Um, and, and even if he does get selected, look at the case of Luis Soviedo. Luis Soviedo, um, got hurt at the end of the 2020, at the end of the 2019 season, uh, at the back issue, he went down to the Dominican, I think Venezuela. I can't remember what he played in one of the winter leagues and he was throwing up like 97 again. So he looked good and the Mets took him and trained to the pirates. He didn't survive. He got, he got, um, let go and Cleveland ended up getting him back, which by the way, he's a minor league free agent. So even if, even if, um, you think Hankins goes, 
then um, I think the odds of him sticking somewhere are pretty low. Yeah. And you let that play out how it is. It, it's not like he's high in the pecking order. I know it, it hurts to lose, but um, I don't think there's that big of a risk, to be honest with you. The thing with him probably is protecting him from the minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft, uh, Which, where you don't get guys do. back. Yeah, there's a... Yeah, that's... Yeah. There's the protected list on that, too, and they can just assign him to Columbus or whatever, you know. Uh, we've seen that happen where there's... I think there's 38 players that are protected in the minor league portion, yeah. and he should be part of that. I, I think just his pedigree alone gets him protected. Um, in, in Lenny the Torres is getting taken. Yeah, What's that? Said that. Lenny, Lenny Torres is not getting taken. Uh, not yeah, I don't see Torres getting, getting taken either. Just some names that are popping out there or that people will have in mind. Uh, I think it was good that you mentioned Kevin Kelly and Kyle Marmon. Marmon is kind of an interesting guy, too. Um, yeah, he's going to be 26, hits 95, has that nice overhand curveball. I think he's a major league middle reliever. And the thing is, is he had that um, UCL injury and had an alternative surgery and then came back, and it's taken him a little while, lost 2020. So there's two seasons that he lost of development. I think that's part of why you see him turning 26 next year and he's not made his major league debut. But I'll also add that your average major league player is usually in that 25, 26 year old range when they're making their major league debut too. So that's not uncommon. Um, I, I think there's a small potential he gets selected. I, I think the first three guys that we talked about are really the ones, or even uh, Missy Azek as well. So the first four that we talked about are really the ones that could get selected in the rule five. I could see like some of these guys not being protected. Um, in in the major league in the minor league portion, like I could see them not protecting Marmon from like the major the, the minor league portion of the Rule Five, and he gets taken there, um, and then in that case you don't get him back. But I, I don't know if you can waste a spot on him. I don't say waste, but I don't know if you can afford a spot on him not going the minor league portion of it because um, of where he's been. Although I think I think if you've been in Double A, you don't have to be. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. The minor league rule five is like, especially, you know, I love the rule five and a lot of people who listen to us uh, and, and go to the site, they love the rule five too. Cause some of our, I joke, I always joke, but it's true. Our best traffic the last like several years has been your draft content or anything re- related to rule five. Like that's been our best, most listened to show last year. Our most read posts are all about that stuff. So um, people love the rule five and I love the rule five, but even I don't know all the ins and outs of the minor league portion of the rule five, maybe, uh, maybe our buddy Andrew Kinsman knows a little bit more about it than we do. Cause he always seems to have the, <laughs> the insight on the rules. Yep. Um, but those are, those are ones that are over my head. Even um, here, here's another name. We should, we, I think we've, I think we've exhausted all the pitching options, right? I don't think we have to worry about any other pitchers. Um, I've got another one. I, I'm wondering if we're both thinking of the same player. Micah Preece. No, that's not who I was thinking of. Oh, who are you thinking of? Uh, Gabriel Rodriguez. All right, we could start there because actually, I think I think there's some interesting talking points there. So, Gabriel Rodriguez, um, highest signing bonus in franchise history for a international position player, two point five million. Um, and the trick here is he had shoulder surgery to end the season. So, a, I already I, we already I already talked to. Um, 
Rob Serfolio about this, the Guardians director of player development, and he didn't say Rodriguez will not be ready for the 2023 season. They hope to have him back at some point ready to go in the 2023 season. So to me, that hints that he's not going to be ready to start the year. Mm-hmm. And that right there is going to set a flag off with somebody else. And it's going to say, okay, we can take this guy and we can put him on the injured list to start the year. He can go through a full rehab and we'll see where we are. Um, I think there's, I, I don't think it's a huge risk, but I, you know, it's harder for a, a hitter to do this. I know Anthony Santander did it very, I don't, I don't know. It's not, I guess a different situation because Santander was in high A at that point. Yeah, almost, almost the same position. I think Santander showed more power than what Rodriguez has. Um, he was older too. Yeah, yeah. That that's another thing. I I think a team like let's say the Nationals who should be in a rebuild um, because their minor league system is just barren. You can almost hide him for an entire season with the injury list. So put him on there. And of course, like you said, if he's not going to be back until next year, they can continue this into next year and drag it out. And he just has to be on the roster for 90 days next year. So his rule five status would be intact. They would just be banking a roster spot until the season started. If that's something that you believe in, if he's a player that you believe in, I go round two and pop him. If I'm somebody like the nationals, if, if I believe in him that much and sit on him, for an entire, let's say, 15 months or, or whatever the course is. Um, you know, I've really liked Rodriguez since they signed him. Um, I think there's a lot of talent there, and as you said, he's still very young. I, I thought he was good this year. I mean, last year he came to Lynchburg and, and played kind of poorly, and the report was that he was uh, lacking some conditioning, and, you know, that could have been the effects of the pandemic and not playing. Yeah. Uh, anything like that. So we don't know what was going on there, but he was in great shape this year. I can definitely tell you that. And he was impressive. He hitting the ball, had some good power. Um, I was really impressed with the glove at third base and the arm. I think he's, I think he's for sure a good defender at third base from what I can see. Um, yeah. I mean, if Cleveland signed him for two and a half million, that tells me the other people would have been interested in him too, right? That he, yes probably wasn't only getting interest from Cleveland. Uh, yeah. The nationals for sure. I mean, there are plenty of bad teams out there that need help. Um, that would go, that go that route. I'm sure the athletics wouldn't mind, you know, seeing what, what they can do with Rodriguez while they're trying to rebuild um, the angels. Uh, they have Anthony Rendon, but he's older and I don't know the Marlins who knows. There's a lot of teams out there that could use that kind of guy and see what happens. And there's a lot of bad farm systems and, I don't know when Rodriguez will be back this year. I don't. I don't think he'll miss the whole year, but we'll see. But yeah, the the surgery for sure will will get some antennas up, and it will make people think about it at the very least. He is not an unknown in terms of prospects, mm-hmm. so that's a good that's a good point. Rodriguez is, and Cleveland can't protect him. There's no way they can afford to to add him. So if he goes, you know, that's just that's what it is. Um, sure. and, and like I said, if. I'm saying he's missing the whole year. If I draft him and I'm the nationals or whoever, I'm making him miss the entire year. We're rehabbing him the entire year just to buy time, get him in my, or in my organization, get him to work out and instructs and stuff like that. But I'm slow going him. And before I get him onto the clock, the next season. Teams do it every year. I mean, that's what they did with, uh, that's how long it took for Anthony Santander to play. It took two years for them to actually get him on a roster. So, um, the, it the, Braves, 
I think the Braves did that with a pitcher that they got from the Rockies. I can't remember his name now. A few years back, um, hmm. was it's it's been a while. His name will come to me once the once the pod's over. <laughs> right, exactly. That's how it always goes. Uh, okay. Well, while you're racking your brain for that, I I do want to talk about Micah Breeze. I think I don't know. I don't know. It, it's a tough. It's a tough one. Because again, I don't know everyone's forty-man roster situation, and um, we think you know every guy's got a chance to be selected because we've seen these guys, right? So it's obvious. But um, Mike Capri's had a pretty good year, and even though he's twenty-four, he doesn't have the normal reps of a twenty-four-year-old in Double A. You know, because we, we talk about this all the time. We talked about it this year. Small school. Miss 2019, Miss 2020. Um, he's got a very limited background. So I think that, like we talked about, he's a late bloomer and he's got probably some some more growing to do in terms of his skills and his tools. Um, and he had a good season this year. He, he sold 20 bases, did 18 home runs. I looked at the splits, good against lefties. Um, did well against older competition. So any pitchers that were older than him, he did fine against. And the Eastern League is is a very pitcher friendly league most of the time, and he did good. So I don't know who who he'd be a fit for, but I don't know. The numbers are good enough, and teams are going to know who he is. I mean, our John Elrod, who covered the Akron Rubber Ducks for us this year, did a great story on him um, and his background. You know, his um, his grandfather. Um, oh, okay, his grandfather was part of the founders of the MLB scouting bureau. His dad was drafted by the Yankees. His brother was drafted by the Yankees who just retired. Um, so people in baseball know who Mike Caprice is. It's not like he's an unknown outside prospect. People might not know who he is. So I don't know. I, I don't think he'll get taken, but I also wouldn't be stunned by it. You know, we haven't really mentioned this, but the Chicago Cubs having some familiarity with, uh, Oh, gee whiz. Carter Hawkins going there. You know, yep. there's another team that might uh, be looking at some of the guys that Cleveland leaves unprotected. There's still another player out there that we haven't discussed yet, an outfielder um, who may have a case to be protected. Um, Jonathan Rodriguez. And, I, you know, like I said, it may be a case there. I don't think if let me just back up and say, I, I think guys like David Fry, um, Prees, I, I think Prees has a, a major league feature ahead of him. I think it's a bench piece. I think Fry has potential to be a bench piece for someone in a platoon role. Um, even like Marmon, Kelly, Mikolachak, Heron, Mizziezak, a lot of these guys will at some point in time probably get a cup of coffee or develop into some sort of role, positional role, pitcher, player, Um Jonathan Rodriguez, a guy that he's an outfielder, maybe he's a DH, um, can say that maybe all those guys I just mentioned have a 25% chance of being added. That's just if I if I kept it in quarters, they all have a 25% chance of being added. I don't think any of those ones are. Uh, I, I really feel like it's Cantillo, Martinez, there's your two locks, and then maybe they add Milo Chak after that. Um yeah, it's a reliever of Fry, yeah, for sure. Yeah, maybe Fry, if you think, well, he's the right-hand bat, can play first base, can play third base, 
give you a little bit of catcher, but he's not a defender or catcher, and I'm not buying that right now. I would protect Prees over him, uh, frankly, because I buy the upside with Prees. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, I think there's a future major league bat there. But going back to Jonathan Rodriguez, um, you know, I, I said before, Oscar Gonzalez reminded me of Domingo Santana, just in a loose comparison, a guy that has some power, strong arm, didn't put up great numbers. Santana struck out quite a bit. I think that's a comparison that I would just lazily flop over to Jonathan Rodriguez to a guy who has some power, has a good arm, but not really a great outfielder. And, and we all know Gonzalez has made growth in leaps and bounds. So he's made everyone look like idiots. So including myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. Uh, I still am not sold on his defense, but uh, uh, Gonzalez or Gonzalez Rodriguez for sure is a more extreme version of Gonzalez. The strikeouts are a lot more prevalent with him. Doesn't walk. Although, you know what? It's funny when he was drafted, one of his calling cards was kind of his patience and his strike zone awareness. And that has totally eroded as he has come back. Uh, I don't know. He walked. He had a healthy. He had a healthy walk rate in 2021 at 10. percent This year it was down under seven, and, and then he got to double A, and it was down under five. Um, and the strikeout rate ballooned. So I, I think he just got really swing happy, and obviously hit a ton of home runs. But uh, I don't know. Again, it's a case of hey, if you lose him, what are you going to do? I mean, are you gonna, you can't have you can't have. Uh, Straw and Quan, Brennan and Benson and Jones and Gonzalez and Palacios and um, you know you just can't you can't have all those guys you know on the forty man roster. It doesn't work. They're already they're already unbalanced in the infield. You can't do it in the outfield too. So um, if he goes and he hits thirty home runs for somebody, which I think is unlikely, but you know that good for him. You just say okay, well, because he's he's not a guy who is going to impact your team this year, um, not on a team that's winning. Like he is going to a team like the athletics or the nationals. And um, he's going to, if he would, he would play and he wouldn't play in Cleveland. So you can't roster. They, they, they spent all last offseason rostering guys that had no chance to play this year. You know, the, the Noels, the Tana's, the Rokios, the um, who else am I missing? I don't know. They, they rostered a bunch of those guys last offseason knowing for sure they weren't mm-hmm. going to play for Cleveland this season. You can't you can't have another offseason that. It's just not going to work. So It is what it is. If he goes elsewhere and has success, you tip your cap and you say, okay, we got to hope that the guys that we have that made the Major League roster this year that are on the 40 now, we have to ha- they have to be good and they have to make it. And, or we've got to use them in trades to find somebody. Um, speaking of, I think we've covered everybody – that we're going to cover in terms of rule five 40 man status. There's nobody left, right? Uh, Peyton Battenfield. Do you want to touch on that? I mean, Battenfield. um, I don't think he's protected. Um, I can see him getting taken, but yeah, I, I I don't think he's protected, but I can see him getting taken. Um, If you think you can get his velocity back uh, where it was and some team might Cleveland might think that they could, and they may have found something mechanical or maybe there was something that Battenfield was working through that they knew about that we didn't know about um, there there's that. Um, but I, I think there's a good chance Battenfield is taken if he's exposed because a lot of teams will snag a fifth starter middle reliever type. And, you know, if they think they can get innings out of him, they might do it. Everybody's looking for pitching. 
and the data was good at him last year. I don't know what it was this year, but the data was good last year. Jose for means a minor league free agent, so I think he'll probably just sign somewhere, although he'll still be um, eligible for Rule 5, but he'll probably sign a minor, minor league free agent deal somewhere else, I would guess. Um, I don't know, Alexi Planez, there's no, there's no really big worry there. I mean, if we think Rodriguez is not a fit, then Planez is not a fit. Um, yeah, that's that's really about it. About as far as adding is concerned, Aaron Bracho, that ship has sailed, unfortunately, uh, for him. <sighs> Good thing he got a giant signing bonus. Uh, somebody made a comment on the post that I, I wrote at, at GBI the other day about um, Sergio Murillo, and I, I just don't see. We talked about all these other relievers. I don't see Sergio Murillo as a guy that people are going to be targeting over all the other relievers we mentioned. So. Yeah. Do you want to dive in? <laughs> which, yeah. Which, mean, which means that'll happen for sure. Um, all right. Do you want to quickly, we're already almost in an hour. I know we don't do things short here, but uh, do you want to dive into your targets? Cause here, here's the thing we, I, we've talked ad nauseum about Sean Murphy when I wrote about him, when you put him on, you put him on Twitter, I think everybody knows he is the main target this off season. Like, I don't know for sure that he is the guy they're going to acquire, but out of all the guys that are, possibly available he makes the most sense mm-hmm. um i guess christian walker is the other one we have no idea what arizona's intentions are because arizona might be a sneaky contender next year you know so who knows maybe they'll hang on to him um and the more i look at the situation with aj puck as much as i like the idea of cleveland trading for aj puck i don't know if i, I don't know if oakland's gonna trade him he's got a lot of control left i didn't realize how much four years i think how much he, yeah, I, I don't see – if Oakland trades him, they're going to get a massive haul for him. Um, I know he's 27 and he's got a history of injuries uh, at least. But, yeah, he's got uh, – he's a free agent after the 2026 season. So that's a long time. I don't, I don't know if Oakland trades him. As much as I, I kept putting it out there, like he's a target, he's a fit, I just don't see Oakland trading him at this point, maybe next year. Must they like blown away? Possibly, maybe at the deadline or something like that. Um, I'm not sure. He's a year from our arbitration eligibility, which means m- more money than what he's making at the major league minimum. Oakland being in the tank right now, uh, they're going to keep their salary low, which makes me think you know Murphy is likely to be dealt this off season. I think that he was the big bargain chip for them. Um, if I'm Oakland, I deal him this off season and and look for other pieces. I don't know what all they got in the trades that they made through last off season through this past season. Um, but uh, I, I think Murphy does get traded, whether that's to Cleveland or I'll say maybe somebody like the New York Yankees. So let's say the Yankees were rumored around Murphy and yeah, who wants to talk about the Yankees? So let's say for instance, the Yankees <laughs> pay the price and get Sean Murphy. Does that make Jose Trevino expendable to the Yankees then. And what would they want from Cleveland if Cleveland wanted to go after Trevino? Because Trevino, as you know, won the gold glove as a catcher. And, you know, you know, is that because he was in New York or he was actually that good? I don't know. I didn't look at the numbers. I don't care because he's a Yankee. Yeah. So. I would just, you know, if, if you miss out on Sean Murphy, if you decide that, if you decide that you either want to get Sean Murphy and Naylor goes back to AAA or you, you, Form some sort of tandem. 
I think if you miss out on Sean Murphy, I think the the backup plan has got to be Christian Vasquez. I don't see I don't see any re- I, I have to look at Vasquez's uh, defensive metrics. I don't know how he did this year defensively. I think you just pivot. I, I don't think you go out and you make a, a big trade for a catcher. It's it's Murphy or bust as far as that's concerned. I think if you don't get Murphy, you find somebody on the cheap and you get ready to hand the job to, over to um, to Bo Naylor. There's no point. Because Sean Murphy is a game changer for this team, mm-hmm. and there's nobody out there that's going to be anywhere close to impact as impactful to this team, given where they've been at catcher the last several years. Um, as Murphy, uh, framing Vasquez was middle of the pack last season. Pop time 72nd percentile, so that's pretty good. Pop time is going to be important next season. Doesn't strike out. We know Cleveland likes that. Um, doesn't walk a lot but he doesn't swing and miss a lot either. He makes a lot of contact. So I don't know. I guess, a, I don't know. It depends on what, what Vasquez's market's going to be. I guess if you can get him on a one-year deal, you do that. And if not. I think he gets three. Oof, and and that's, right, why well. I, that's why I'll throw out um, Daniel or Danny, Danny Jansen. As oh. a, um, yeah. Toronto, Toronto has the three-headed monster catcher up there. Uh, <laughs> Gabriel Moreno, Alejandro Kirk, and then yeah. uh, Danny Jansen. I, I think that's a possibility. Go that route. Of course, there's always San Diego who has three catchers and are they're trying to figure that out. Um, you don't want to bring in it's another possible like though. Campus, you don't you know you don't want Campesino. Um, oh gee whiz, I can't remember the guy that they got from Miami that had been with the Rangers. Um, not very good uh, defender. Alfaro? Uh, I can't remember his name. Um, and then Nola there in San Diego. I don't think they're going to move him either. So, you know, my next option would be say, let's go to Arizona and try to get Kelly from them because they have Varsho, but Varsho's been playing in the outfield. So, you know, which really. Let's get Varsho. <laughs> hey, hey, there we go. Um, Jonah well, Hines I mean, yeah. Texas is, is another name that I would throw out there. Somebody I would revisit because he's a backup there. Um, yeah, I think would be an excellent that. starter or an excellent bridge. Yeah. But I think you're it, right, it's Murphy or bust. I think I really think it is because Jan, like it's it, catcher is going to become such an important position if more than it already is because Whenever they do have robo lumps, that's a whole different story, different discussion. But this this new pickoff rule, you know, changes things. The you've got to be able to control the run game, and Zach Plesac is like and, and Shane Bieber. Those are the only two guys that are do a good job of holding runners on. The relievers we know have issues holding runners on. Um, you need a catcher who can throw runners out. You need one, and. and I don't know if Jansen's anywhere near as good as Murphy and no. Jansen's still going to command a lot in a trade. Uh, yeah. He had a good season offensively. He still got a lot of club control. So he's still going to cost quite a bit. I, I just don't think it makes sense to give up what it's going to take to get Jansen. You're going from like, yeah, you're going from Austin Hedges to Jansen. That's still an upgrade, but for what you're going to give up, to improve the position from that is not going to be worth the price you're paying. Like, it's just not going to, I don't know. I don't, I don't think the cost is going to be 
a big enough swing impact. So I threw out Zach Plesak and maybe Brian Alavastida and a prospect, you know, like a low level prospect. That would probably be the type of package it would take to get Danny Jansen. A lot of people would say I'd make that move, but I don't think that's enough for them. I think they're going to want Cal Quantrill and plus one. You know, I mean, if they're asking Cal Quantrill and Brian Lavastida, do you make that do, deal? I don't. I don't because think that's, I think that's probably where Toronto is because of the value of catching. Which is, for yeah. a lot. I think Quantrill is a lot, giving up a number three yeah. starter. I mean, they're probably going to ask for a major league reliever too. So they need, they need, they need immediate bullpen help. Like I think we, we speculated, you know, Jeff speculated, uh, James Karen would be an ask for Danny Jansen. I, I would, I would think they will. Um, you can't make that deal. You just can't. It doesn't make any, any sense to, to make that trade. So. Well, you don't open uh, a hole to fill another. Right. Exactly. So. I think you just you, you put all your eggs in, in the Murphy basket. I know Cleveland doesn't really do that kind of thing, where they put all their eggs in one basket. But to me, Murphy is the one that makes sense for them. Um, anybody else in your list you want to talk about? I mean, the Christian Walker thing we briefly touched on. I think um, he makes a lot of sense for Cleveland, a lot of sense. But I don't know if Arizona is going to trade him because they might be a fringe contender next year. And they're not gonna. They have nobody to replace him, so you might as well just go with him next season. I don't see why you wouldn't. So I'm not convinced that Arizona will trade him. I see. I'm I'm out on Pablo Lopez. I don't think the uh, the cost is going to make sense for Cleveland. Pablo Lopez is going to take a. It's going to take a lot to get any pitcher, truthfully. And if you're going to trade for a pitcher, you might as well go with. Uh, um, Agreed. Maybe you can go get. Cor- yeah, Burns or, or Woodruff. That's the team I'm most interested in talking about is the Brewers. Um, they traded yep. Josh Hader with two years of control. Well, is it one and a half years of control? I can't remember. Is, is, he's a free agent for this season, right, Hader? From my understanding, so they've been one and a third, however you want to put it. Yeah. So if they, if they move, the Brewers have a ton of arbitration eligible players. They have a lot, and they still owe Christian Yelich a lot of money. Um, they have Burns, Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, I think are all free agents at the same time. So they, and they don't have a lot of pitching in the minors. Like their best pitching prospect is like, uh, uh, I was thinking, I was thinking about them the other day. Who was their best pitching prospect? The kid they drafted this year. That's really, that, that looked really good. Ethan Small, uh, Robert Gasser, Robert Gasser, who they got back in the oh, trade yeah, for Hader. Like, Rob- yeah. Yeah, like Ethan Ethan Small and Robert Gasser might be their best pitching prospects, or um, Jason, Jacob Mizorowski. That's that's about it. Um, they need young pitching. They've got a ton of young outfielders. Woodruff and Burns are both hitting ARB three this year, ARB two. So maybe they trade one of them. If one of those guys is on the block, do you? If you're Cleveland, let's let's say. Let's say the Brewers want to trade Burns because he's going to get the most return. And they say, okay, we're going to trade Burns because we're not going to pay him ARB the next two years. We're going to try to going to try to shuffle the deck and and you know pull a Tampa Bay or pull a Cleveland. Um it's going to take a lot to get Burns, a lot. 
he's going to hit free agency, free agency the same year as Shane Bieber. Do you try to go into 2023 with a rotation of Bieber, Burns, and or Woodruff or McKen- and McKenzie, and then you're probably giving up one of your big three pitching prospects. You're probably giving up Espino mm-hmm. or Williams or Bybee. I don't think you can get out of that trade without trading one of them. Do you trade one of them plus plus Rokio uh, for one of those pitchers? Do you do you just hang on to Bieber and Woodruff or Burns and let them walk after 2024? Do you try to trade them next offseason? Um, and if you do so, try to trade them next offseason, do you still make do you still pull the trigger? I am in World Series win now mode. I, my first target is Sean Murphy because I think he, he would make that much of a difference for this team. So he's my first target. Let's say he gets dealt elsewhere. My next move is Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and I want Hunter Pence in a deal too. If I'm taking on that much salary from the Brewers, um, it's a lot, and it would make the Brewers very happy. So I think I can pay a little bit less to get that, but I – fix some immediate things for my team. I add power, I add corner outfield DH, and I get either Burns or Woodruff. Let's say it's Burns, Renfro, and I'm going to have to pay a, a high price for that. You're looking at Espino or Williams, probably Logan Allen. Um, guessing Nolan Jones. Arias or Rocchio. Yeah, you mentioned Rocchio, so let's go with Rocchio, Nolan Jones, and probably a fifth piece because I've got Renfro in there. And, and we're looking – maybe a Will Brennan, um, Angel Martinez type, whatever they want. It, it would take that five of the top 15 prospects. That hurts, but you just, with one swoop, you have two big ads to your team that makes you, in my opinion, the AL Central favorites and a World Series contender, and I think they will be that next year. Um, I do that, and then I come back next off season and I trade Shane Bieber. But before I do that, I'm going to see, now I said last year, I wanted Matt Olson and go for an air and a spare and try to get the cheaper of the two on, on the extension, which would have been Jose or Matt Olson. I do the same thing with Bieber and Burns um, and see which one of them I can extend. If I can extend either one of them, I would be happy to play it out and trade Bieber after one season or even trade Burns. If I think, Hey, Bieber, Bieber's the one to keep and Burns is the one to trade and then get that qualifying offer. Because I think let's look at the quality of pitcher that you get for that, just that one season between Burns and Bieber being very, I I think very similar in value Um, without looking at numbers or anything, you know, so I'm just going by reputation. Um, I think that one season of value, could you get that same, pitcher for one year for only three prospects because I look at it as a four player deal because you're going to get that QO. You're going to get the qualifying offer on them and get that player back. So that basically washes the second best prospect in the deal off of it. So you get it. You're going to get one good prospect and then two others. Could you get a Luis Castillo type of arm? I mean, look at that deal. Look what the, the talent that went in that trade for essentially one year. Yeah. Yes, they signed him they, to an they extension. Him. Yeah. Um, they, they signed him to an extension after the fact, though. The extension wasn't right. already in place. 
So they were paying that price for a one-year pitcher. My point is, is there's more value in keeping him if, if you decide to go that route. But I would definitely float the idea of trading one, having that option, having that option to trade one, keep them both, play it out. That's not what I want to do. I, will, I would like to at least extend one or or end up trading one of them. But it I, gives you more options and it improves your chances of winning immediately. Yeah, I, I mean, just for there's a I, lot to I, a lot to think about there. Yeah, you threw a lot back at me. Um, yeah, I mean, 2023, going into the playoffs with the rotation of Beaver, Burns, or Woodruff, and McKenzie is certainly better than what you threw out there in 2022. You know, you reassess things in 2023, see what happens. I, I think I just wonder, I think the question is going to be, okay, do we do we feel comfortable letting one of these guys pitch to the end of their contract and letting them walk after this deal to win a World Series in 2023? I mean, I don't think it takes two of if, – if, if the Brewers are asking for two of Bybee, Williams, and Espino, I think that deal's off. You're not doing it. it you're, you're probably going to have to trade one, and the question is, are you comfortable trading one of those guys – for a pitcher, you're going to only have for two years at, at possibly. And like you said, maybe you extend one of them if you can. Um, you know, do you try to trade one of them next offseason and recoup some value? Maybe. So you're just kind of playing for 2023. Um, you could do that, I suppose, if you're trying to push your chips in this year and see what happens. But, I mean, you got to be comfortable. If you make that trade, you got to be comfortable with, A, giving up, one of your big three pitching prospects plus, uh, you know, I don't think it will hurt as bad to trade an Arias or a Rocchio or a Martinez, whoever the, 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 the uh, Brewers prefer out of that group. Plus, like you said, Nolan Jones, maybe, although I don't think they need Nolan Jones, but um, you know, you're, you're trading from that group for sure. You're okay with that. But the question is, can you stomach doing that? Hoping that you win in 2023 and then having to reassess whether or not it makes sense to let Bieber and and one of those guys, whether it's it's Woodruff or Corbin Burns, um, I mean you have you'd have two shots at it if if you can't extend either of them and you don't want to move on from them, you know you get two years of really two good pitchers at the top of your rotation and and you know you'll still have two of those three pitchers ideally because um, like I said you're not making the trade if they want two but you would still have two of the three of Espino, Williams, and Bybee to step up behind McKenzie if you really needed to. Um, and all the, all three of those guys could be in the big leagues next year. So um, you would have essentially a very good four, four-man four rotation right there, and you can figure out the fifth from whatever you have left, you know, Quantrill, Savali, Plesak, whatever they end up doing there. Um, yeah, so – yeah, I guess it depends on how they want to reset themselves. The, to me, the Brewers are the most interesting team to, for Cleveland to watch this winter is because if the Brewers do end up trying to chop down some of their arbitration cases and um, they need they need young pitching. Their system is, is lacking some top-level pitching prospects and it would allow them to pair. Like, imagine, imagine the Brewers having, 
you know, Jay, uh, Jackson Chorio and Joey Weimer and Garrett Mitchell and um, Sal Frelick all coming up in the minors, right? Or Bryce Terang, all those guys that are, are good hitters and pairing that with a, um, you know, a Gavin Williams and a Logan Allen. Like that's a, that's a, although I guess that they have Logan Allen, they already have Logan Allen and Robert Gasser, right? Essentially the same pitcher, but um, that's a, that's a good core to grow. Right. And you could probably win as soon as next season with that group. Um, so to me, to me, I'm watching the Brewers pretty closely to see what they do this off season. Cause I think if the Brewers do decide to chop down some of their arbitration cases and try to reshuffle the deck a little bit, I think, uh, Cleveland could get involved because there's not a lot of trade partners out there, right? Oakland, maybe the Brewers. Um, who else has has guys to trade? Like, who else are you looking at that the Nationals have no one left to deal? They're terrible. Cincinnati um, doesn't have a lot left, though. Though there's an ar- no. interesting arm there, um, Alexis Diaz. If they decided to trade him, he'd be an interesting arm um, for the bullpen. But I mean, they're they're pretty well spent too. Yeah, here's here's the thing because I know I know you and um, our buddy Nunzio on, on Twitter were going back and forth about David Bednar and Alexis Diaz fills it's kind of the same bucket for me as as David Bednar is. Yeah, Alexis Diaz and David Bednar would be great options to have for Cleveland. Yep. But I think if you didn't if you didn't have Emmanuel Classe, it would make sense to make that trade. Yeah. Um, but they do. I just wouldn't give up the prospects it's going to take. I, I do think this team could use one more reliever because. I don't think you can go into next season trusting that Nick Sandlin's going to make it to the year healthy. Um, and you definitely want to have like, I don't know. I guess you could go with Morris in the bullpen. I like that option. Morgan was fine. De Los Santos was fine. So I would just like to have maybe a, a fail safe for whether or not Karen check can survive this uh, pitch clock or, if you don't get through the season with Nick Salen healthy, I think, I think this team just needs one more. I don't think you need a, a Bednar or a, um, a Diaz, not at the cost they're going to come at, but I think you need like a, another seventh inning guy that you trust, you know? Yeah. And that's where, you, that's where I've said somebody like AJ Puck. First of all, he's a left-hander, but he does give you that seventh, eighth inning guy too. I think, um, just cost yeah, it, there is a lot of value there. That's, I think that'd be the preferred thing. But I think if you get Murphy, that's probably a standalone trade or there's a second add-on piece that's, oh yeah, I didn't think of him type of guy, you know, like a Lou Trevino who is already traded. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's an additional piece to it, but it's not somebody that we're looking at, obviously. But I think, yeah. like I said, all season Never- panels, go get Murphy and then work from there. If he, if that doesn't work, then I go the pitching route. Yeah. Yeah. Murphy for sure. One a, and then look to see what the brewers are doing. I like the idea of Hunter Renfro. He's a good player. I I think you and I both agreed that when they were making that deal with the Padres and the Reds in the Trevor Bauer deal, we hoped it was Hunter Renfro, not for Emil Reyes. And um, I would prefer Renfro back then. I don't know who else is out there. Like I, I was looking at lefties and bullpens and, there's just not a lot of options to be had out there. I mean, I think you're going to look and see who, who gets non-tendered, but this team doesn't sign, you know, major league free agent relievers. They haven't done it since, uh, Boone Logan. Boone Logan. That didn't, yeah, that didn't turn out so good. So no, I don't, no, I don't no. think that's wrong. Brian Shaw. 
That's it. That's it. It just had to go and ruin the show. We're out of here. Don't don't ruin. Don't don't uh, don't don't count out Brian Shaw. Brian Shaw will do what he did last offseason. He will show up to good year in February without a contract, and he'll be like, "Yeah, I'm on the team. You guys signed me. Like I'm." I'm here for workouts. Oh yeah, we, we go. We'll go with it. He'll have him out there. Another <laughs> seventy innings. We did. We, we did <laughs> sign you. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I, I hate to to put him in the spot. Maybe you. Uh, maybe you put one of Cantillo or, or Connor Pilkington in the bullpen. I don't know. Yes, that's that's where I was going next with that. Is oh okay. We have left-handers within. Logan Allen would be a good reliever, but I mean, I wouldn't go that route with him. I would look at Pilkington or even Cantillo. Cantillo solely for the fact that he's had some health issues. Um, and and then I would look for an arm like uh, De Los Santos and hope that I get lucky. Um, more than likely you don't, but it seems like they find somebody every year. Like Parker helped him out a little bit. You know, Shaw did off of the minor league deal in, in 2020. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't even talk about we. He's not a lefty, but we didn't even talk about Carlos Vargas, which we should. We only got one question mm-hmm. this week, or you know, this uh, this episode. I don't know when the next one will be, but uh, our buddy Chuck did ask a couple questions, so we can probably get to those as we wrap things up here. Because um, he did ask about Carlos Vargas. Carlos Vargas could be that extra reliever. I think we would just prefer it to be a lefty, but um, you know, if it's not. Carlos Vargas could be an interesting option or, or hear me out. Doug Nikhazy goes to the bullpen and you fast track him and he gets to the majors next season. I am going to say that's not out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> um, Hunter Stanley is an arm. I think that we'll hear next season. He should start double a Akron Columbus. He's already 24 and a half. So, I mean, I think that's part of the reason they wanted him to go to Arizona is, is they believed in him and they wanted him to get innings and he's a fast track arm to me, just solely oh, on yeah. his age. And he was a priority senior signing, getting a guy in the 11th round. That's a fifth year senior and get giving him $125,000 signing bonus. That tells me you really like the guy. Um, all I need to know right there. A lot of the traits that Cleveland likes that high delivery. He's athletic, good frame, good control. Um, nothing sexy with what he has as far as his repertoire, but um, an arm that could be somebody that uh, they're looking in to adding to the bullpen at some point in time late next season, I think. Um, but the answers are probably within if we look at Cody Morris and, and Carlos Vargas, as you said there. Yeah. All right. So let's get the Chuck's car buddy Chuck's questions and we'll get out of here for this episode. Um Let's see. Out of Murphy, Reynolds, Jansen, Lopez, Walker, which trade do you consider the most realistic one to get done? I think we both agree Murphy probably ends up being the most realistic option because they've had conversations with Oakland in the past. He fits a a current need. And the other guys, to me, are cost prohibitive. Reynolds, cost prohibitive. Uh, Jansen, not worth giving up what it's going to take to get him for the lack of upgrade that we talked about. Pablo Lopez, I don't know. I don't. Do you have any strong feelings about Pablo Lopez? I don't think he's. I like a lot of Lopez. Going to first, so. I would rather fill fill anything internally, pitching wise. If you don't, if you don't get, uh, you know, Woodruff or Burns, if the Brewers aren't selling. Um, 
Pablo Lopez to me again. All all pitchers on this trade market are going to be expensive. Trade pitching is is so expensive, whether it's money or it's prospects. Um, mm-hmm. So you would probably have to overpay for Lopez to get him just because of the market. So, and it's going to be the same for Murphy. You're gonna, you're going to have to pay for the market too. I just think that Murphy provides the most impact of anybody that's available just because of where Cleveland's catching. I know people are going to say, well, what about Bo Naylor? Well, they could both play or Naylor could use some more time in AAA. I don't think it's a guarantee that he starts the season in Cleveland next season. I think he could use some more um, development. Uh, I would say Christian Walker, like we talked about before, but I think, I don't know Arizona's intentions. I would love Walker. If, if, Mm-hmm. If they missed out on Murphy, I don't know what you do a catcher, but I would love to see Walker be available because he's a great fit for Cleveland. Um, I just don't he know. is. He's had a different career path to a guy that's going to be 32 next year, and he's got two or three seasons of success under his belt. So his success didn't come until he was almost 30 years old and bounced around the league a little bit too. Um, one of the gold this year to his credit. Um, and it showed power and more patience than he has in the past, I think. Um, but you're, you're going for a guy there that would have three years of control. That's why Arizona probably wouldn't trade him. But if they did trade him, it's similar to a Jacob Stallings. Let's deal him because this is an older guy who emerged later in his career while his value is still high. Right. Yeah, they absolutely should. But Arizona thinks they might be able to win next year. So we'll see what they do. Um, and, and the, the nice thing about Walker too, is he's only got two years of control left. So if you trade for him and if you don't give up John Kenzie, Noel, which if, if Arizona is trading for him, I'm probably asking for Noel personally, mm-hmm. but if not, um, Walker doesn't block Noel because it's two years. So we'll see. And then Chuck also wanted to know what the future holds for Carlos Vargas and Nolan Jones next season. I'm ready to see Carlos Vargas in the bullpen at some point next year. He almost got a chance this year because of uh, the roster situation, but I'm ready to see it. I don't know when, but I'm I'm ready for it. Jones, I don't know. It, it depends on what they do this offseason, right? They Do they add somebody in right field? Do they go with some combination of Gonzalez, Jones, and Brennan, and do they let that play out in spring training? I don't know. It seems like – I don't. I don't know how you can send Nolan Jones back to AAA next year. I think. I think next year you have to start with Jones in right field as a, as like a tandem with Gonzalez, you know, with the H and all that, or you trade him. I don't think you can send Nolan Jones back to AAA next year. Doesn't make sense. Agreed, and that's why I mentioned him as a potential piece in a Brewers deal, yeah. especially if you're picking up um, Hunter Renfro. And I think the the uh, Brewers have quite a bit of center field depth, Sal Frelick, Garrett Mitchell, uh, Chorio in their outfield. But picking up a guy like Jones, they could always bump him back to third if they wanted to. I don't think that they would. First would probably be or a first. thing or or even DH. But that would that yeah. would open up a spot for them and also backfill a spot with a, a player immediately while Frelick and, and Mitchell and Chorio all continue to develop. That just gives them further options if they were to make that sort of trade. Um, I think you're right. Yeah, and I think Jones is right where right where you said is this is either he's the part of the right field equation next year or he's traded away. It's one of those two options. He's not back in Columbus next year, in my opinion. Uh, Vargas, I think you and I have pounded that table for a while. Um, that hey, it power was broken. 
<laughs> we broke the table. Yeah, we went, we went full Bill's Mafia on that table. <laughs> yeah, we have to get the Amish to build us a new one uh, <laughs> at that at that point, so we can't break it. Yeah, he'll he'll go back to AAA to start next season, but uh, I would like to see him at some point. Yeah. And then Chuck's other question, Willie, was uh, a sleeper in the Guardian system next season. Oh boy! So next next season's Tanner Bybee, Willie. Who is next season's Tanner Bybee or or Will Brennan? I guess you, you already know how much I love Justin Campbell. So I'm I'm gonna throw three names, all of them pitchers. Justin Campbell. Now I'll give you four names just for fun. Justin Campbell, Parker Messick, Dylan Delucia, and Jackson Humphreys. All, I think all of a lot of this year's draft class are players to watch because first of all, we haven't seen what they can do. I am I, I really like Jacob Zibin, but I'm really excited about Jackson Humphreys too. But if you gave me a choice between one of those guys, I really like Justin Campbell. I'm just 20th guy on my board last year. Um, I think he should be top 12 prospect um, next season. So just throwing that out there. Well, okay, Tanner Bybee was off all of our radars coming into next season. So, so Dylan Delucia wants somebody off the radar. <laughs> yeah, he he'd be more off the radar. Radar. I would say from that group, my guy, my from the draft. If I have to go with draft picks from this year that are surprise that are sleepers in the system, um, I'm going to go with Austin Peterson in hopes that he is not another Mason Hickman. And that's that's not a shot at Mason 2.0. Hickman. Yeah, I'm I'm. Again, that's not a shot at Mason Hickman. He's fine. Looks like he's going to be a better reliever than a starter. Um, he made the AFL All-Star team for what that's worth. I just think that when they drafted Hickman, maybe they were hoping he would add some velocity, and he hasn't really. Um, and to his credit, he's pitched you know solid enough to continue his career just without the velocity. But Peterson has struck out more guys in college than I think Mason Hickman ever did. And um, if you add a, if you can add some velocity to him, I like how he can take off. Um, my other guy on the radar, off the radar for hitters would be Nate Furman. I know Nate Furman was a fourth round pick, but Bybee was a fifth round pick. And I think Furman could potentially be at second base, what Stephen Kwan was in left field. So yes, um, I would go that route. Uh, guys, I think guys that could break out next year that are, that are prospects you already know. Um, well, I wouldn't, I, I thought Trenton Denholm this season was going to be what Tanner Bybee was. So I wouldn't count Trenton Denholm out, but um I don't know. I think we could be in store for a big season from Petey Halpin next year. I think Petey Halpin could really start to stick his foot in the ground a little bit and, and stick out. And uh, another guy that wouldn't shock me to to really see um, take off next season would be, um, well, obviously, I don't know. Jason Chorio is not really a sleeper, but um, he's coming to the States for the first time. I think Jason Chorio – could be a little bit like his brother. Agreed. Uh, a lot of hype on my end on Torio too. Um, I'm going to throw yeah. Jake Fox out there as somebody I like. I love the approach. Um, I think yeah. he will he will be an exciting player to watch next year. And then again, a, another player from the draft that I didn't mention, with, but he missed a lot of time this year was uh, Jack Jasiak, the right-hander from South Florida, 12th round draft pick. I think would have been fifth, seventh round range a little bit of funk in his delivery but a, a guy that i think is a solid four or fifth starter um really intrigued with this draft class and can't wait to see what they do you know 
really like like a guy like Gio Rivera. You know, I don't want to throw everybody's name out there, but he was mowing them yeah. down in, in JUCO. Um, had that Oregon State commitment too, you know, and they paid what they could to get him into the organization. So, but I, I like Jay Ziak. I, I really love this is the Justin Campbell hour, right? So, well, I thought we did that with Peyton Banfield earlier this year. Thought we already did that. <laughs> no, we did that with Tanner so, Bybee. Yeah, I was gonna say, does that replace the Tanner? Did Tanner Bybee lose his uh, his hour on our show? Did they pay? Did they remember to pay yes. their, so their sponsorship fee? Welcome to the Justin Campbell Hour. <laughs> yeah, well, we're at the hour and a half mark, so that means we should probably go. Um, appreciate anybody who who listens to this, who tuned in live. Um, you know, through our little our hiatus there at the end of the season, we'll. Uh, we probably won't have a regular schedule at this point. We'll probably just pop in whenever news pops up. Um, there's really no point to us coming on here once a week and doing this without anything else to talk about. So um, maybe we'll pop back on after Cleveland makes its 40 man roster decisions. And we'll analyze that for a little bit, even if it's a shorter, a shorter show. And yeah, then it won't uh, be any shorter, Justin, come on. I know. I always say that. And then it's not, I know my fiance is waiting for the day where I say it'll only be an hour and it's really, you know, not an hour. So we'll see. Um, we'll go for 45 minutes next time. How's that? We'll, we'll, we'll shoot. We'll shoot for that. Yeah. I, ha- I haven't learned a darn thing uh, on how to keep a show quiet, uh, keep a show. Well, that's um, see, the thing is don't invite me and then you can keep it shorter. I think I really do think it's you. Cause you know, when I do the other podcast with Jeff, we managed to keep it short. So it must be you. It, it's me. I know it's too. me. I, I like to ramble. No, this was good. Uh, again, thanks everybody who listened and who stuck with us while we had our hiatus. Like I said, we'll we'll jump back on and do this after Cleveland makes their roster ads. We'll have it an- we'll analyze that. If anything happens to winter meetings, we'll jump on for that. And then whatever moves happen in the off season, we'll we'll talk about it. We'll just uh, yeah, we'll do a podcast when things happen. And hope you'll stick with us. Hope you'll subscribe and tell your friends. And um, well, don't tell your friends if you don't like us. Just uh, you know, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say it. But uh, if you like us, tell your friends and uh, follow us on Twitter. And um, yeah, we'll check you out next time. Thanks, Willie, for doing this. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah.